Hi, my name is Chris Polod. I'm a pediatrician at an academic institution. And I happen to be a Bible nerd, child of divorce, and soon-to-be author. I created Little Pieces Club Ministries around the idea that when our hearts break, God can still make works of art from the broken pieces. I run small groups for children and teens and consult with and support parents. I also give lectures and seminars upon request. Our content centers around the science of adversity, abuse, and neglect, that is ACE science, and how biblical design patterns harmonize with it. Along the way, I discovered that Jesus' story, wrapped in the design patterns of the Good Shepherd and the Tree of Life, help us process, grieve, forgive, and reintegrate our souls after trauma. And this helps us grow strong in solitude and community, leading us to love God, self, and others, which is what the greatest commandments or greatest blessings are all about. This podcast is geared to help parents understand their children's point of view and to be a good shepherd and tree of life through the hard times. You can follow the ministry on social media in several different areas. Uh, on Instagram, we are at LPC Ministries. On Twitter, we are at Club Pieces. And on TikTok, we are at Little Pieces Club. In the YouTube video of this podcast, you will see QR codes for our Facebook group and our YouTube content. I love getting questions and comments. So now let's get into this week's episode. Our at-home format for small groups, for those of you um, trying to support small groups, um, starts with a fun and relaxing 15 to 20 minutes. Next time is followed by a snack or basically a meal time uh, where we go over prayers in a style that is very much like uh, examine of conscience. And then we go into the video lesson part of the application uh, following, uh, followed by a prayer to close the video and a fun and relaxing activity again for 15 to 20 minutes. So right now we're just looking at a slide uh, as I'm going through the presentation that reminds us to do something fun for 15 to 20 minutes. Hopefully it does not involve a screen, although if you are having um, good fun, good clean fun with someone else, uh, the screen time is okay. And then just remember to set a timer so you come back. A little bit of wisdom about why we set up small groups this way is we are actually trying to demonstrate the concept of Sabbath keeping. And we'll get more and more into that as we go, but it is a time um, to regularly set aside work, and that can mean a variety of different things, to simply rest and delight in the gifts that God has given us. So now we're welcoming people back from their fun time, and you will need journals, prayer template, um, and then um, uh, go ahead and continue with the next um, activity. So now we're going into snack and prayer time or journaling, depending upon uh, the age group. Uh, the older kids, I tend to encourage them to keep a journal uh, while we have activity sheets for the kids. So what you're looking at on the screen is our prayer template where we look over the, the week and we just ask kids to connect with the time that they have uh, felt uh, joyful and happy. Um, they have had a good amount of fun uh, and then invited them to bring forward their um, 
negative emotions like disgust, anger, sadness, and fear. And when we go through those, we also want to ask, did God feel close or did he feel far at those particular times? And this is reflective of a very ancient process called examine of conscience. And what it does is it just helps reintegrate our souls. When we get a little far from God, um, we can realize that that's okay, and we just simply invite him to come back. So if those of you are leading a small group session and you um, are doing this, that's the basic idea. And what we always want to do is present ourselves as very warm and welcoming, no matter what kids are feeling at a, a given time. And they may even try to provoke anger out of us. And so we just want to be aware and ready uh, to respond with patience and kindness. We are now moving on to Ask Me and Ask Each Other, which is uh, our time in small group where the kids uh, can ask any question of the small group leader about growing up in a divorced family. And this is the time uh, that's very valuable in your um, ability to write down things specifically to pray for for each kid and also send me questions that I can then put out in um, future content that uh, helps everyone know um, how to answer uh, questions like that. This week's topic-specific Ask Me and Ask Each Other icebreaker question is, describe a time when you were really angry with someone. And if you can, think of someone in your own family. So we are at the title slide of the presentation, and this week's title is, What Does Forgiveness Really Look Like? This is episode 29 and our third part in the Public Christian Journey series. Next, we move into our elephant assessment test. When I really think about it, it comes when it comes to forgiveness, I, on the disintegrated side of the spectrum, I really don't understand what forgiveness is. And then in the middle of the spectrum, I'm just not sure, maybe I have a few ideas. And then I can describe it in detail. And remember when we do the elephant assessment tests, what we're looking for is just where the kids are at. And we want to be really careful to um, communicate complete indifference uh, in terms of their number. Uh, we don't want to make a big deal if they're on one side of the spectrum or the other, because the kids who are on the opposite side of the spectrum may pick up on um, some cues and feel bad about where they're at. And this is just, again, for them to be able to decide where they're at. So now we're transitioning into the big lesson for today. And this is Luke 15, uh, verses 11 through 32, and it's the parable of the lost son. And there is a lot to unpack in this. So I will go ahead and read it, and then we can talk about um, the various aspects that we need to be aware of. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, 
set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came back to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. So many of you might remember that there is another um, part of this, which is the um, which is the other son who stayed with the father, and um, we'll we'll have a few more comments about him in just a minute. But I want to deconstruct this parable a little bit with some context. So when the son went to the father and said, "Give me my share of the estate," what that communicated to those that were fully steeped in the context of the Bible was essentially, Father, I want to be, I don't want to be your son anymore. And, um, and I want to operate as if you are dead is essentially the message here. And the father allowed him to do this. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Um, as we meditate on this, remember that the father in this circumstance is a metaphor that Jesus is using for God. Um, so keep that in mind. So then we see that the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and squandered his wealth and wild living. Now what uh, design pattern this links back to in the Bible is one of exile. And the funny thing here is that this is self-desired um, exile. This is this is not exile um, that's forced upon Israel as a punishment. This is a self-desired um, uh, separation, um, which if, if you remember in ancient Hebrew, um, people who intentionally sinned were cast out from the culture. And so what we possibly see here is that this son had so much unforgiveness in his heart that he wanted to consider his father to be dead. And then he put himself in exile, which is consistent with some of the teaching that we do on the prison of unforgiveness. And so he basically did everything according to his own will. So we see him in selfish solitude here. 
But then he begins to desire to eat and he feels his hunger. And then what we see is that he realizes that he would not go hungry in his father's um, care and back on his father's property and um, farm, if you will. So then he even says that here I'm starving to death, that he is in a state of death. And then he sets back out to see his father and he realized that he has sinned against him. And that is the essence of repenting, which is turning and facing and returning back to the right path. And so um, he says in his heart that he is no longer worthy to be called his son. Um, and then he goes and gets his father. And then the interesting piece that most Western um, interpretations miss is the true reason why the father runs out. And so because um, the uh, Hebrew culture was steeped in honor-shame culture, that the family would know what the son did. Or I'm sorry, th not the family, the surrounding community would know what this son did and they would be extremely angry with this son. So then to see him returning to his father, he might have even been stoned or hurt um, in that journey. So what the father does is a couple of things. When he runs out to see the son, that is actually quite a shameful um, behavior for a father to do uh, patriarch to do in a community like this. So he shamefully runs out and shields his son. So in other words, the shame then gets placed right on the father and the son is rescued from the community um, uh, uh, hatred and uh, negative feelings. So now in this, we begin to see a link back to Jesus's story. So when this happens, the son continues to say what was in his heart. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So what we see now is the integrity, the fact that he felt something in his heart, and now he is acting it out. And then we see the father um, uh, designate a celebration ceremony uh, for his son. So now we get to the, um, the question of the uh, lost son. And so we see the fact that there was a son that left, came back, and was accepted into the father's home once again. But then we see the bitterness of the other son. And again, we see this idea of unforgiveness. He was angry of what his brother did, and that could be completely justifiable. But when he came back, we see the father rescue him, accept him with open arms and celebrate, while the lost son is the one that doesn't do this. And so we're left kind of wondering how he responds to all of this. So it is a very deep um, story to meditate on, to meditate on and uh, having a deep sense of the um, context really helps us grasp the depth of forgiveness that the father gave the son. And that is the kernel of the lesson uh, from today.
So for community questions about this, um, we just asked the kids, describe how the father felt when his son asked for the inheritance versus how he felt just before seeing his son again. What process do we think that he went through? And so what's running in the background is, for Little Pieces Club teachings, that forgiveness happens after grief. So the grief of the expectation that the son would stay in the family and honor his father, that expectation was taken away. And so to grieve that, you go through all of the steps of shock, denial, anger, sadness, bargaining, acceptance, and finally, forgiveness and possible reconciliation. So then we talk about comparing the state of the mind of the son before he left versus when he came back. And what process did he go through? So this is, he was able to live out his selfish wishes, but he saw that that led to death. And that is what brought him back into his father's house. And that's what allowed for forgiveness and reconciliation. And so then I asked the kids, what does this story tell us about God's character? And so we're really looking at the father and how that father forgave by shaming himself, by running out and rescuing his son uh, from the honor, shame, um, anger that would have existed in community. So now we're going to go through the six steps to help us forgive others. And so this is just meant to be a starting point. Um, I was thinking um, as I prepped the podcast that when I coach soccer, I often will teach a particular skill, let's say early in the season, and then it's probably five, six, seven, eight games until I see that skill really happening a lot in the games. And so when we talk about the six steps of forgiveness, my point, even with the smaller children, is to give them a seed that hopefully will begin to grow in their, in their hearts. And for the parents listening to the podcast, it's really important that you know those same seeds because you are really responsible for modeling them uh, for the kids uh, as they go and as they grow up and mature. So here are our six steps to help us forgive others. First of all, name what they did. And it's very important, and this is something that we do in solitude. By yourself, name what they did. And even name your feelings connected with it. And oftentimes, uh, what's at the root of unforgiveness is anger and bitterness. I am angry for what they did. Next, we bless them. Remember, the most important blessings that we give are to love God and others as ourselves. And remember that love is patient and kind, just like Jesus, and leads to forgiveness. The next thing to do is to seek to know them, and that is to ask why and try to understand their version of why they did what they did. And remember that this is patient and kind. Because understanding often helps us forgive, and it helps us see that perhaps things were just a misunderstanding. Then take a step and think it over. I think they hurt me because, and then state fully what you think. 
and then you can even run that by them in a discussion. So in their mind, they might have thought they were being helpful, or they just didn't know at all, or the same behavior they saw through someone else and didn't realize how destructive it was. And remember that it's okay to disagree. The point is that you want to understand from their perspective what happened. And then you can understand from your perspective your own feelings. The fifth uh, stage of forgiveness is to tell them, you hurt me and I understand why and I agree or disagree, but that doesn't take the hurt away. God helps me be okay and helps me forgive you when I think about Jesus. And this may take a long time. Um, And again, uh, the reason this is the public Christian journey is we're focusing on the community aspect of forgiveness, which is the communication of forgiveness, and at least understanding the mechanics of it. So the next step is reconciliation. So the individual person who's doing the forgiving must choose if it's okay to be in relationship again. And that is, I still want to be friends, or I forgive you, but we can't be friends anymore. The forgiveness is something that helps your own heart um, heal after some big hurt. Reconciliation is a step on how you want to continue a relationship. Will the relationship continue? Does it continue? And what level? For married couples, if a major hurt happens, they can decide to not be in relationship anymore, um, or have a romantic reconciliation. And in the specific case of divorce for parents of children, um, we know that the best situation for children to be be in um, is when the parents decide to forgive and reconcile in a professional parenting relationship. Now, that doesn't mean a romantic relationship if that's not in the cards, but a professional uh, relationship regarding parenting. So I leave the teens with a couple of journal prompts. Who are the ones in your life that you need to forgive? What things have they done that need to be forgiven? Why do you think they did what they did? Are they mean-hearted? Did they just did not know? Or were they being childish? And then I ask them to write this out. God blessed me with forgiveness. It is only right that I bless others with patience, kindness, and forgiveness. And then when they are writing the following, um, I, or I ask them to write the following. Write the name of the individual, hurt me by doing what? God helps me heal. I forgive the name, and I want or do not want a continuing relationship with them. So this helps them in their journals to have a format that they can process uh, the, the forgiveness. And then I say, pray with God, asking about what you should do next. And then celebrate the freedom that comes in your own heart when forgiveness finally comes after the long journey of grief. For the kids in the activity sheet, we go through the six steps and they just write down the key word. And I have it on the screen. Name what they did, and then you hurt me. I bless you by being 
patient and kind. Seek to know them. Why did you do it? Step four, think it over. I think they hurt me because they were unaware, or they didn't know, or they were too immature. Five, tell them, I think I understand why you did what you did. It still really hurts, but God reminds me that I will be okay and helps me forgive you when I think about Jesus. And then reconciliation. You have a choice. I'd like to still be friends, or it's best if we stop being friends. And then the two verses that we talk about today are Proverbs 17.9, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. And Luke 15.11-32, uh, it reminds them that it's the parable of the last son. So for the community activity for the children, we do balloon forgiveness. And so the materials you will need are three red balloons, one blue balloon for sadness, and one yellow balloon for joy. So blow up the balloons and with a sharpie, draw an angry face on the red ones, a sad face on the blue ones, and a happy face on the yellow. Have a Bible on hand as well. The son will have the anger balloons, and the father will have the blue and yellow balloons. So then each child takes a turn throwing the red balloons at the father. Try not to encourage verbal yelling, as this can actually be really, really a sensitive thing. The father then does the following two things. He hugs the Bible when he's ready to, and then hands the blue balloon to the son, and then hands the yellow balloon to the son. And then step back and just watch how the kids respond to this and um and invite the Holy Spirit to instruct and guide you in um, how you deconstruct it for the kids, what, what's happening. So for the Lectio Divina verse this week, it's the Proverbs 17.9. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. So if you are unfamiliar with the Lectio process, we read a passage four times with a slightly different intention each time. So we're going to reflect on this verse and decide which, um, which word or phrase is standing out. And so I'll just do it for us. Um, dwelling on it separates close friends is what we'll focus on. So this next time through, reflect on the fact that God is speaking to us through this particular word or phrase. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. So the third read-through is to decide how we're going to respond to this. How do we respond to the message that dwelling on a fault separates close friends? And so does it mean that we need to forgive someone, or ourselves, or even our relationship with God? And it may bring to light maybe a person that you've been dwelling on a fault. So I'll read it the next time through. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. And now that you've had a moment to meditate on what you're going to do or what you're being asked to do through this scripture, the last time through is rest. It's, it's the rest that we have after a good meal, and we can further uh, use the metaphor of laying our head on the chest of God. Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, 
but dwelling on it separates close friends. So we'll pray this episode closed. And as always, I appreciate you guys for tuning in, um, for either running a small group or being more aware of what uh, lessons are going to benefit your kids as they go through the the ongoing process after divorce. So don't hesitate to reach out via email uh, and send me questions um, for, uh, that I will put together for a question and response episode um, in the near future. So dear Heavenly Father, bless our public Christian journey. Lord, we struggle when people annoy us or make us angry. When we are hurt, help us know that you are with us and that you don't allow us to suffer without you. Steady our hearts so that we can be patient and kind in the face of our pain. Grow in our hearts the desire to know more about people who hurt us. Grant us the wisdom to understand their pain and extend them the forgiveness that Jesus so graciously gave us. Finally, guide us in the process of reconciliation as we choose to continue our relationship or not, and help us grieve if we part ways and celebrate if we reunite. In Jesus' name we pray for all of these things. Amen. I hope you enjoyed this week's lesson and session. Um, Have peace until we meet again.